20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome in, everyone, to another edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. Thanks for joining us again today. My name is Dan Connick. Joining me are my two fellow co hosts each and every other Tuesday. It's Matt Fralick and Janelle Mackey. Guys, how are you doing? Doing well, Dan. Doing well. Janelle, how are you? I mean, Packers are 2-0, and Vikings are 0-2. I could not be having a better Monday, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and not only are they 0-2, but like a really bad Their, their favorite word in the media around here is abysmal. I've heard it <laughs> probably 20 times in the last like 24 hours-ish, so... That's their word for the season so far. And the Tank for Trevor tweets are very, no, very that's there. Not a thing. Yes. Tanking for that... Trevor is already a thing after week two here in Minnesota. <laughs> Poor Kirk. Just no respect. Putting his <laughs> wow. life on the putting his life on the line for the organization. <laughs> I mean a solid fifteen rating, so That's brutal. there there is like there's like one or two times that happens every year. Where you get the the one guy comes out with a quarterback rating where uh, I for, I forget who who tweeted it but like if you threw every pass into the dirt you would come away with like a thirty something <laughs> passer rating and so like that happens once like every year or so that Kirk, that somebody and it was Kirk Cousins this time I mean a fifteen like that's oh that's so bad like literally you like any of us could be doing better than that i think i i looked into it because i was really curious and most of the time when a quarterback hits zero they don't get to come back so there's maybe seven quarterbacks who have had zero rating games because they just didn't get to come back brutal and i (laughs) eli and peyton manning are two of them so i mean we can categorize them with them but they also had but perfect passer rating games, so <laughs> yeah, and they've won Super Bowls too. Yeah, Kirk, uh, <laughs> Kirk, not so I'm much. I'm sure Minnesota <laughs> will find a way to put him in that category based on this stat. But I mean, that's I honestly I didn't know that that was. I mean, I knew it was a thing around here in Detroit because they they were trying to do it last year for like tank for Tua, but I, I had no idea that that Minnesota had that kind of oh, trend. They were doing it last on. week, Dan. Wow. Like in the middle of last week's game was when I saw the first tank for Trevor tweet by a Minnesota fan. Minnesota fan here. It's a tough scene. Wow. Yeah. That, <laughs> I mean, at least you're not going to throw like bad money after bad money. So, I guess positives. But uh, but we're here to talk about what every Packer fan wants to be talking about, and that is, of course, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Janelle, who do you got in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Stanley Cup final, who are you taking? Oh, man. Stars are up yeah. one nothing. Drop in, like, 15 minutes. We got to wrap I know. this up. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be the Stars, though, right? Before we get into it, really, is the Stars. Yes, yeah. for real. Like, stars, Wisconsin fans, I'm letting you know right now, cheer for the Stars because you got the pride of Plover, Plover, Wisconsin, Joe Pavelski, Captain America, playing for the stars so if you need someone to cheer for even if you don't watch that's who you're cheering for you're welcome yeah definitely and it's i mean the dallas stars winning the stanley cup playoffs is like peak 2020 for me yes which again another thing that i go against minnesota with because of the north star thing but yeah that's a little i am i just i'm here to make minnesota's life worse i guess so (laughs) 
Well, uh, the Packers have been doing that. The Packers have been doing that to both of the NFC North teams that they faced. And uh, we're kind of breaking down this week two game, guys, against the Detroit Lions. A huge win, 42-21 over the Detroit Lions in week two. Just uh, kind of putting a capper on it because Ben and Andy did a great job yesterday of recapping everything that happened. But um, after these first two weeks, guys, what are your thoughts? How are you feeling about it? What are we thinking? Well, Dan, before we ask this, so last yes. week I was in enemy territory. I want to know what it's like for you because you're in my Good territory. Question. So I want to get your vibe before we talk about it. So you used the word abysmal for Minnesota. <laughs> and I would say it's more apathy around here. Detroit is not a football town anymore. I don't know if you ever could necessarily call it like a real football town. I think it gets its credit because it's in the NFC North, but like there are so many lion, like people that are lions fans that tell me they just don't watch the games anymore because they don't really care. Like they all know that the light, like the lions are going to lose each and every week. And so it's, it's really weird that like, there's like all these people that call themselves lions fans, but they never really, watch the games because they've been hurt so many times by the lions. So, I, I mean, week one was the perfect example of that. Cause talking to like lions fans around here, they they were like, yeah, that was, that's exactly uh-huh. what the lions will do to you is exactly what you saw. And I don't know about you, but that made me, that was the most normal I felt in a while was watching the lions do that. That's just Sunday. rough. I can't imagine that existence. Like I can't imagine feeling it's, that way about, the team I love the most. And I guess you have all their outlets, right? It's not just a football town like Green Bay would be. You have the Pistons, you have the Red Wings. Um, the only issue is that all of those the Tigers, teams. But yeah, the <laughs> issue is all of those teams are terrible. They are. They really are. It's bad. It's 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 not fun. I, I attribute it to me moving up here. I think I'm I think I'm the Janelle for Detroit. I live to just make everything up here worse for Detroit fan, uh, Detroit sports fans. Yeah, I and don't be don't be or you know feel confident in knowing that I did definitely give Ford Field the middle finger a couple of times this week as I was driving past it to and from wherever Solid. I was going because it's right off my exit. So yeah, Set I made sure mood. to give like Ford Field exactly. It's rivalry week. <laughs> But yeah. but uh, but yeah, go ahead with actual. No, I was just gonna say like <laughs> football these stuff. games have been solid, right? Like I, I'm like yeah. I'm enjoying them. Um, you know, putting forty plus points up back to back weeks is great. I just feel like they both both games have the same narrative, like NFC North rival, kind of come out a little sluggish on offense, some miscues that way. Still no run defense. I mean, no one could have thought the run defense would have been better this week, missing out on Kenny Clark with his groin injury. So it's just, that's the thing that I'm still waiting to see if it's ever going to manifest itself throughout this year. We're going to preview, you know, the, the Saints game a little bit and talk about that later in the episode, but that's another good running offense. And there's many of them on the schedule throughout this uh, 2020 campaign. So at some point, something's going to have to give. I just, but overall, the offense, the way it's clicking is phenomenal. Um, there's a lot of pieces being involved, so it, it's fun. But um, yeah, there's there's still some a little improvement there, which is great. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the things, too, is I've noticed, so the defense doesn't seem to get hot till the offense starts cooking, and I really want to see the defense come out next week against the Saints and 
make big stops right away. Don't wait for the offense to get the lead you need or to get hot or give you the momentum. Go out there and do it yourself because we don't know the status of Kenny Clark, but again, they're going to have to face someone like Kamara. And these last two weeks are pretty run-heavy teams considering who they have on their offense. So that was one of the, the notes I made is you have to – contain on the line don't let them run right up the middle every time and I was really frustrated and I think I tweeted this out that yeah they put up 40 some points these last two weeks but the amount of points the defense is allowing is leaving a bad taste in my mouth because you look at how bad these two teams are and the defense is allowing them to look a lot better than what they should be like we know what this defense can do all the talent they have but I feel like they could be out there being more aggressive, making better stops, not waiting till the second half to start doing their job, come out of the tunnel hot right away. It's, I mean, it, I, I will, I will definitely agree with you a little bit about the defense. I think the defense, it's, I think it's weird to say this because it, it sounds so, it sounds so counterintuitive, but like, I don't know if you can necessarily judge this defense by the amount of points that they give up if that kind of makes sense. Like, I, I know that that sounds really kind of stupid. It kind of does. Like, <laughs> but, because you can rely but, on the offense. You're not, you don't have to worry about if it's a, yeah. you're not like a, you know, it's a team that's based solely around the defense where you have to rely on having a mediocre quarterback to be able to put up 24 points that you can win a game. You can rely on a good offense, but I see what you're saying. I, and they, I don't know. There's just some of, there's some part of me that like, I agree with Janelle, like they have to come out a little bit faster. Like there's just certain miscues yeah. that are oh, happening definitely. where I'm just like this, this can't happen. Like if you're playing a a great team, like I think the saints are a great team, even with or without Michael Thomas, I think they're really, really good. You have to come out and set the tone, but I, I kind of agree with what you're saying, Dan. Yeah. Like I, I think it really, it helps that this offense is finally like clicking because last year, the defense really had to like kind of step up to another level to win a lot of those games because the offense couldn't keep drives going, couldn't point put points up on the board. But now this defense doesn't necessarily have to be a stellar run defense because they're not really going to have to face a lot of that if the offense can still continuously put up 21, 28, 35 points. You know, it, it's it's like it's not like it's I'm, it's obviously not part of the game plan. But it definitely helps, like, with the offense being so good, it helps kind of uh, the defense in the one spot that's kind of like their big weakness in the in the run defense. They don't, you know, face anybody. Because, I mean, it really, I, this and to kind of go back to what was happening locally, some of the stuff, like, I saw on, like, social media was people were literally saying, like, you could have, the Lions could have just handed the ball off every single time and beaten the Packers that way. They were, like, angry that... They threw so much because it was, you know, playing right into the Packers' hands. But it's like, if you're down by 14 points going into the third quarter, like, you can't really take that time to run the ball. This isn't you know? baseball. So, There's an actual time limit on the game. So, yeah, you can't just right. on the ball. <laughs> and, I mean, that's that was the entire first quarter, though. Mm -hmm. The Lions strategy. Like, they had total control over that first quarter because of the run. Like, mm -hmm. because they just ran the ball. And... That was, I think that was what was frustrating is like how much control they had right away in the game because of the way they were running their offense and how the defense started out. So I'm, I'm glad to see that the defense, it's not 
a mess the whole time. I just want to see them start the way they finish because, like you said, against really good teams and great teams, it's not going to work the same as it is against teams like the Vikings and the Lions. And maybe my standards are just too high, but, you know, I'm selfish and I just want them to be the best (laughs) all the time. Let let me, before we we move into the, the week three matchup, with the saints and, and bring in our special guests. Um, let me ask you this hypothetical question. If, if salary cap be damned, if right now you could go out and sign a free agent defensive lineman or a free agent offensive lineman, which way would you go? Defense hands down. I think we have a pretty solid offensive line even when we're banged up like they've been able to piece meal together and i think it's it's working fine i think they run about eight deep right now if that uh, maybe i'm off on that number with lane taylor being out but i think defensive line that's been where they've needed the most help they've spent the less money there they haven't used draft equity there so much and the ones they have they haven't really panned out so i would love to get i don't know who it would be um maybe one of the bosses that doesn't have a bust in knee, so Joey or someone with, you know, someone just solid. Aaron Donald, like, can you imagine? That would be incredible oh. where it's, like, on the reverse, like, I already feel confident. And, I mean, we have some studs in the offensive line, Elton Jenkins, Bakhtiari, and Lindsley. Like, those guys are top five players at their position. And, yeah, I don't I don't see the need to spend it on O-line. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. Although, like, the O-line injuries have been scaring me. You see – Lindsley go out with what the sprained thumb mm-hmm. or whatever and you see the right side just falling apart but I still think there's enough depth where I would still rather spend the money on the defensive side of the ball and I don't have any specific names in mind I would just I think the O-line regardless of injuries they always seem to do fine so I would much rather see the defense step it up on the line because there's also injuries on that side and I mean, Kenny Clark and then Lancaster going down on that cheap shot. It's like defensive mm-hmm. players seem to be a little bit more scarce for us. So that's where I would say shove your money. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's for me, it was almost like everyone. If you think about an offensive lineman you could pick up right now, everyone thinks Feldier. But it's like defensive lineman. Everyone wants to say Snacks Harrison, but like Snacks himself has kind of made it clear that a lot of teams including the Packers have reached out to him and nothing's happened yet so there's obviously something you know not clicking between those two parties where if it's not snacks then you know there's no name that like kind of sticks out to me and so I guess that's why I sort of drifted toward offensive line right away but yeah I I agree I think if you're looking at just straight up depth has to be defensive line just take the money and pay Aaron Jones he deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I had to sneak that in there, but that's my opinion. <laughs> so Janelle, do you want to introduce our guest to the podcast today to talk a little uh, Packers Saints football with us? Yeah, I'm super excited. I'm bringing on my first guest on the show. His name is Greg Larnard from The Word with G on ESPN 1420. And he is actually down in Louisiana covering the Saints, but he's also a Packer fan. So I thought he'd be the perfect addition to our show tonight. Yeah, you had Greg. to let out of the bag, huh? This early, <laughs> right off the bat. What kind of credibility do I have now? None. 
<laughs> You're a Packer fan. That's that's all. That's all you need. <laughs> I can't. I can't hide it. You know, guys. I'm I'm down here in Louisiana, and honestly, like before I moved down here, I grew up in the Northeast, and I was I've always been a Packers fan. Well, actually, I was a, I was originally a Dolphins fan uh, because my best friend was a Dolphins fan, and I'm so happy that he moved away and that I moved across town, <laughs> and my new best friend was a Packers fan, and I fell in love with Brett Favre and Reggie White and Dennis or, uh, Bill Schroeder and KGB, all those guys, and, and it just you know snowballed from there. <laughs> That's two of the most like opposite ends of the spectrum that you could have ended up with. Like, <laughs> well, talk yeah, about no. sliding doors. Well, listen to this, because, you know, I've told this story uh, often. I, I tell it on my show. I, I tell it to whoever will listen to me, basically. And growing up, my dad made me a Mets and a Knicks fan, unfortunately. So I got a chance to choose my football team because he wasn't much of a football fan. He was kind of a fair-weather Rams fan. But the one thing that he taught me was to dislike the Cowboys. Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin and Troy Aikman and all those guys and you know, I was going through it on my show on Monday and the Cowboys had a cowboy caller call me and talking about America's team, this America's team, that, and they literally haven't been to the NFC championship since they beat us in 1995. So I, uh, like that was the only thing I, I grew up learning about football was just like the Cowboys. See, I told you he'd be a good addition tonight, guys. <laughs> oh yeah. That's already. Yeah. Blows it out of the water. Greg, real quick before before we jump into it, I really kind of want to get your your take on 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 how it is living down there in a hotbed of an area that is definitely not prone to, you know, the team that you support. Because I grew up near Cincinnati, which is Bengals, Browns, heavily Steelers country too. So I was always the, you know, one kid in the class that was getting picked on. Um, so for you being starting in the Northeast and now being in Louisiana and you're at a, a prominent position, what's it like for you? Well, you know, like, like you said, it's, it's something that I've always kind of dealt with because I've never grew up in a place where I, you know, there was a lot of people that rooted for the same team as me, but oddly enough, growing up there, I've always had friends that are Packers fans, you know, like guys that I've worked with and guys in my group of friends from, from high school. Um, now I, I can't say that I've run into, Many Packers fans down here in Louisiana, although there are some. And whenever somebody, you know, my, just for example, last week, a uh, guy on the air with who, who uh, is on our, our airwaves, he was driving behind somebody that had a Go Pack Go license plate, and uh, he sent me a picture, and he's like, "Oh, look at your people are down here." So, um, so it's it's different, but I, I mean, I'm kind of used to it at this point, and you know. Part of me was thinking about, you know, on the air, hiding my identity that I'm actually a Packers fan, but I just, I can't do it. Um, the Saints have always been a team that I've, I've respected. I love Drew Brees. I like Sean Payton a lot, and I, I like what they stand for. I like the, the way that they play, especially getting a chance to watch them as I kind of grew into football in the mid-2000s when, when Drew Brees came over to the New Orleans Saints in 2006. And, um, and so it's been a team I've always respected and, uh, and, and liked covering a lot. It's much better than ending up in Minnesota and covering the Vikings, <laughs> Chanel. Um, or Chicago with the Bears or Detroit with the god-awful Lions. But so I, if there was some place for me to land other than Green Bay uh, football-wise, I think this would definitely be it because I definitely don't mind covering the Saints and, and I really enjoy covering the Saints. But this coming weekend, it's going to be difficult. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. And everybody knows, all my listeners know that I'm a Packers fan. So uh, I was talking about the Michael Thomas injury and one caller called and, and he said, well, you know, it's kind of funny. Now you mentioned Michael Thomas and you think he should be out like two weeks. 
And uh, that, that would make it just in time for him to miss the Packers game, wouldn't it? I was like, well, look, I'd rather, I'd rather everybody be healthy and we just beat you all straight up. But it is what it is. <laughs> so let, let, I think that's a great starting point, um, Matt, is that Michael Thomas injury. Because I think when we're looking ahead to this game between the Packers and the Saints, this whole week, the storyline has to be Kenny Clark for the Packers and Michael Thomas for the Saints, two of the most, you know, impactful players on either side of the ball for each team. And are they going to be healthy for week number one? That has to be the biggest storyline, right? Yeah, Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, for sure. Like just, we were talking about before we hopped on, Dan, just the lack of weapons for Drew Brees outside of Michael Thomas. And you can kind of compare that to the Packers offense, right? I mean, you take away Devontae Adams and they have similar skill set and I guess the trump cards would be Taysom Hill and Jared Cook. You both have two versatile backs too, but I'm worried if Kenny Clark doesn't play what Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray could do to that Packers defense. Like that's that's scary as far as being able to establish the run and I think the Packers have been exposed a few times early on in games. Luckily they haven't had any games that have been too close, but uh, just the way Alvin was looking tonight. I mean, he is dangerous out of the backfield, and I think it's just a huge matchup problem for him for sure. So, um, but that's that's the number one headline I got going into uh, into the Sunday night matchup. Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting too if Michael Thomas doesn't play. Do they utilize Sanders better than they did tonight? Because I know there's a lot of talk about him, and then he puts up goose eggs. So, I think that's a huge factor too that we. We don't know what they're going to do with him at the wide receiver. Are they just going to feed Kamara all night, or are they going to actually utilize Sanders? It's tough to say. Yeah, Greg, can you can you kind of speak on that from a New Orleans perspective? Because that was like like what Matt said. Like we were looking at the box score and really just didn't realize like the lack of maybe not so much weapons, but like big name kind of weapons that we were expecting to kind of see like in, in years past. But when you take away Michael Thomas, it was Alvin Kamara and then Emmanuel Sanders and then like not, not a whole lot more. So what's, what's sort of like the, what's the takeaway from the New Orleans perspective on that? Well, on that game on Monday night, you're right. It was a lot of Alvin Kamara and he just signed the big contract. And, and obviously he's somebody the Packers going to have to kind of really clue in on him. You know, you, the, the more I watch Drew Brees and the more I listen to people that have really gotten an opportunity to talk to him, I think he's understanding that, hey, look, this is, this is the end for me. I'm literally on hole 18. This is probably his last year, and he's trying to get everything he can out of himself. But I just watched him in that game against the, the Raiders on Monday night, and I'm, I'm watching him throw the football against Derek Carr, and the ball is just coming out of Derek Carr's hands with much more uh, velocity than, than Drew Brees. I just don't know if he's got that arm strength. It, it worries me a little bit in the way that they're built uh, with Michael Thomas. It's it's really good because he's not a guy who's going to burn you down the field. He's somebody who's going to kind of nickel and dime you left and right, and you can kind of go underneath. He can catch 15, 15 passes a game and just kind of the, the death by a thousand cuts, if you will. And I was surprised not to see Emmanuel Sanders get involved much at all. I mean, I know he had one catch there at the end uh, for 18 yards, but, you know, a lot of Saints fans anticipated, hey, look, this is the guy that we've been waiting for the last three seasons, basically. Somebody to play alongside Michael Thomas and to come in and fill in. And I, I don't think he'll do that against the Packers. Uh, I think he'll have he'll have a better game um, because it wasn't the first week. 
uh, that that he was the only guy next to you know without Michael Thomas. I think him and Breeze are still developing that chemistry. I think somebody to watch. I think would probably be a guy that Packer fans know very well from his one season, and, and you know I know he was hurt for some of it, but Jared Cook. I mean, he's a big big time weapon for the uh, for the Saints. Didn't really get a chance to show it all that much in this game, but I know sometimes the Packers have t- you know problems covering tight ends, and Jared Cook is a dynamic one and. The Packers just on their side of things don't really have somebody who who is going to create the matchup problems like a Darren Waller like we saw on Monday night. So I think their defense will be a little bit better, but obviously Aaron Rodgers is the master manipulator and he's going to do a much better job than Derek Carr did. It, it's, kind, it's kind of interesting you say you bring up Darren Waller because I was watching that and I, I instantly was thinking of, you know, all the things that they want to do with uh, – Deguara and all these different tight end kind of uh, kind of formations and I mean just to kind of see that really uh, Las Vegas I had to take a second to remember (laughs) (laughs) but uh, but Vegas really they any time anything on offense they wanted to kind of get no matter where it was running the ball Waller uh, you know there was a couple of deep shots that went uh towards rugs, which ended up in, there was, I think the one penalty near the end there too. Um, like it, it just, it, it, for me, it feels like that offense really mirrors a lot of what green Bay does, does really well. And so I, the way I looked at ice, I saw a lot of really interesting uh, areas that I think the Packers could exploit on offense. Yeah. I don't think Malcolm Jenkins is going to have as bad of a game as he had on Monday night uh, as well. Um, Janoris Jenkins looked a little out of sync, but it was kind of interesting. You mentioned uh, Ruggs, and it seemed like in the first quarter, the Raiders were trying to see, hey, look, can we get some deep shots here with Ruggs? Carr's going to hold on to the ball a little bit longer and try to air it out a little bit more. And they just realized, hey, look, that's not there, so we're going to take the underneath routes. And they just kind of nickeled and dimed their way down the field, kind of like the Saints do to opponents, and they keep opposing uh, offenses on the sidelines. So I think uh, from that perspective, when it it comes to the Saints, they're going to have to be wary of that. Um, The Packers don't have somebody like Ruggs to take the top off the defense, so I don't think they're going to have to worry about that as much. Um, But I also think that that this defense will play much better, and I really don't think – I think it's going to be very difficult for for a guy like Aaron Jones, who's, I think, consistently underappreciated to get over 100 yards rushing against this defense because they haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher in, like, 40 some odd games they've been really stout against the run if if uh if the saints are are going to uh well if the, if the packers are going to win this game they're, they're going to have to kind of i guess do what the raiders kind of did a little bit just keep the saints on the sidelines and if the packers can do that i think the saints might be in trouble um but this offensive line is really good for the saints and alvin Kamara is obviously a very special uh, player and i think again like i said that rapport with with my, uh, emmanuel sanders i think will be a little bit better, and I'd watch out for Jerry Cook, too. Um, one other thing that I wanted to touch on uh, before we let you go, Greg, and if anyone else has anything, you can jump in here. Um, but when the Packers were looking at the first part of their season and we were realizing that there were not going to be fans in the stands and we saw the first two road games were going to be U.S. Bank and Mercedes-Benz, two of the toughest places to play on the road, and they're not going to have fans – you you guys have seen what it looks like inside uh, the Superdome there without fans. Can you give us sort of like a, a takeaway from what what 
you guys have seen down in New Orleans, how players have kind of reacted to that atmosphere of being in the Superdome, which is notorious for being loud and going in and having basically no atmosphere to speak of. Yeah, I mean, definitely. That's a great point that you bring up. Um, when it when it comes to the Superdome, I've gone to, gosh, I've been to two games there. One was, and they actually alluded to it on the broadcast on Monday night, was when Drew Brees, I think, had a two-touchdown deficit within like six, seven minutes left in a game. And they uh, they came back to beat Washington in, in overtime. And that was the first Saints game I had ever been to. And I kid you not, that was the loudest environment that I've ever been involved with. And I've been to Lambeau uh, when they when they beat the uh, Falcons in like 2013, and Matt Flynn was the starting quarterback. Um, so that, I mean, that was the craziest environment I've ever been to. And then I was in the NFC, I went to the NFC Championship game when they lost the Rams, and that was obviously crazy as well. Um, but honestly, that, that comeback with Washington was probably the loudest environment I've ever been in. And I've been in the Superdome, I've been on the field covering high school football. And it's really just a different atmosphere when you don't have that place filled up to the to the brims and, and all the crazy fans and everybody going nuts. And and I think Aaron, you know, alluded to it uh, after the week one victory against Minnesota that like without fans there, it really helped them a lot. I mean, they, they he didn't have to uh, they, he could you know get get guys off sides and he could, could kind of go do his thing and it wasn't loud and and everybody was reacting to his cadence and things like that. So. That's going to be definitely a factor. And I think that's, if I had to say, I think it would honestly be an advantage for the Packers without any fans there. And I was secretly hoping that they'd allow at least some fans in the building because I really wanted to go to that game. And Janelle and I were, were actually talking about trying <laughs> to go to that game. Um, and uh, I just, it's not going to be possible, unfortunately. But yeah, not having that crowd is going to be a, a major factor. One thing I wanted to bring up, though, about this game and the one on Monday night for the Saints was they committed a you-know-what ton of penalties. Uh, we can't swear on this podcast, correct? It's uh, <laughs> Okay, well, it, it's difficult because, like, I, I can't swear on the air on my show, so I, I try right. to capture myself as much as possible. But uh, you-know-what ton of penalties. I'll stick PG for you guys. Um and, and I would, it, it had me thinking, I look at the time of possession and I, I would really be surprised if the Saints beat themselves again two weeks in a row with a Sean Payton coached uh, team and, and, and Dennis Allen on defense. They're going to go in um, and this week and clean up that film big time and clean up the penalties. This is not going to be as easy as, as I guess maybe some Packers fans would look at this game on Monday night and think, man, the Saints lost to the Raiders? Like, this is going to be easier than we thought on Monday night. No, if you think that, that's going to be a problem because the Saints are a very good football team. I've been on record as saying that they have the most complete roster in the National Football League. And if Drew Brees can, can play the way Drew Brees wants to play to finish out his, his career, they'll be fine. And they're going to be a tough matchup for the uh, for, for the Packers. And um, it made me think about a game that, that stuck out to me in 2010 when the Packers played the Bears. And they had, like, 15 penalties for 158 yards and they lost by three or something like that. Like I vividly remember that game. I was wearing this cheese head that's behind me watching that game. And I don't think I've worn it during a game since I'm going to be very honest with you guys <laughs> after that happened. Um, it sits on my, on my mantle and I don't touch it anymore because it's just like a bad omen. Um, I feel like, but, um, but yeah, I, I really don't think that the, the saints will shoot themselves in the foot two weeks in a row. So this is going to be a tough matchup. Uh, for the Packers, and and they're going to have to do – if Kenny Clark doesn't play, 
that's definitely a matchup where the Saints are going to look to exploit. And I know they, they'll look at that game film from the NFC Championship game and say, how can we do what the 49ers did? We have a good offensive line. We have a lot of guys who like to block. And, and you could see, if the Packers aren't careful, the Saints running wild and utilizing Taysom Hill, a former Packer as well, which I wish they never let go of. But I know if Mike McCarthy kept him, he'd have no idea how to use him. <laughs> uh, the narrative that every Packer fan hates. I know, I know Matt LaFleur would find a way to use him. But can I ask you guys a question? Yes, of course. Okay, so when it when it comes to Jeez. the Packers, and you mentioned Naguara and and you know AJ Dillon's there and, and drafting Jordan Love, I'd be I'd be interested, to, and I'm sure you guys have shared your opinions on the draft and the picks and all that. But just for my sake, I'd like to hear what you guys thought about what they did and, and how it's kind of materializing here in what Matt Lafleur wants to do within his offense. Janelle, you want to or go ahead, Matt. <laughs> I mean, sorry, I, I didn't I didn't direct that at one person yeah, specifically. Like, that's my fault. <laughs> No, it's cool. I'll start. Like, I think it's, you know, we, we all had the narrative of, uh, you know, spread offense, minimum three receivers, generally four receivers. And we thought that, you know, in this draft, they were going to try to stay with that. And they already had spent draft equity and receiver um, three years ago with Jamon Moore, uh, MVS and EQ. And then they also brought in Devin Funches. So they thought they were set there, but like, I think it's just a, it's a, per, like, it's just a, mental shift for fans like you have to like get past that whole spread them out offense like now it's more of a ground and pound and it it's it's tough to swallow I guess at this point you wouldn't think you'd be drafting a a tight end in the third round you maybe could have got later or a you know a big thick running back in the second pick or even just you know drafting the heir apparent with the first round pick and trading up but it's just kind of how the Packers you know live as far as they they plan for the future they don't want to be desperate ever to go get a quarterback and that's what you see the saints have done right i mean they've always i mean for the last decade been pretty solid with drew Brees, but um that's what the successful teams do they're able to plan ahead so yeah i mean i think we all probably talked about on this podcast just we were a little confused with maybe not going to get a receiver at all um and getting those pieces that were going to fit matt lafleur but clearly they believe in what his offensive strategy is and that's to run the rock with um, a three-headed backfield at this point and to be able to have some versatility with 21 personnel and the the variety you can get with tight ends. But, um, you know, there's some young talent at the, the tight end position other than DeGuara. So it's exciting to see what they'll do in the this, I guess, third game of the 2020 campaign. Yeah, I definitely, just to follow up on that, like draft time is probably my least favorite time of the year because it never goes the way fans want and then everyone gets really mean on Twitter but I, I agree. Like, I don't well, think nobody that... gets mean on Twitter. Nobody <laughs> does that. Yeah, everybody was really nice to me this year. Not, yeah. but um, it's my fault that they drafted a quarterback first, whatever. But I, I completely agree with the narrative of drafting to develop. I don't, I don't like when teams wait till the draft to draft who they need on the field that year. I think it's really important to get guys under their, like, have Jordan Love with Rodgers and then in a few years kind of see where we're at and the same with AJ Dillon and I mean we're two weeks in and people are furious that Dillon hasn't ran for 100 yards already but that's just not how it works here uh, with the Packers so I you're you have your opinions as the draft is happening but then as the season goes it's like oh maybe I don't know as much as the GM so this is obviously working two weeks in so 
I'm not super worried about it. I mean, Degura, I I'm excited to see what he can do. I want to see the tight ends in general get more involved in this offense. Like seeing Lewis get a couple catches is awesome, and Tanyan with the touchdown. And I love the tight end. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I want to see them get more involved. And who knows against the Saints defense, they might have to because the Saints secondary I think is developed into something really special. And I think guys who aren't Devontae Adams are really going to have to step up. So we'll see how those younger guys do. Well, you know, you guys, we need, we need to get Jay Sternberger a new pair of hands possibly. Or a new number. <laughs> he can't wear 87 if he's going to drop that the ball. Weird. That. That's true. That's yeah. true. But Janelle, I think you brought up a good point because when it comes to the Saints defense, they're predicated on their top two quarterbacks with, with Lattimore on one side and then uh, uh, with Janera, Janoris, Jack Rabbit Jenkins on the other side. But everywhere else, kind of, if you can, if you can get somebody lined up on PJ Williams or Patrick Robinson, um, I, I think you can kind of exploit that. It's going to be interesting to see if Devontae Adams comes back and plays in this matchup. I think it's going to be a problem if he doesn't, because the Packers are going to have to get creative with using a guy like Aaron Jones or Jamal uh, Williams out of the backfield to catch passes, which, as we know, is not a big deal because they, they seem to do that anyways, and it's, it works for their offense. Uh, but it's going to be a tough day for the Packers receivers. It's not going to be easy for them to, to, to separate, you know, and get space and, and whatnot. I know MVS has dropped a couple of passes as well. And, um, you know, I can't allow him to get, can't allow him to get frustrated going up against these, these premier quarterbacks. And Aaron, I know he doesn't turn the football over anyway. He's just got to continue doing what he's doing and, and put that ball in, in good placement. But uh, he's got to be careful against these two quarterbacks because when they're on their game, they're very good. And, that offensive line, I know the Packers' offensive line has been a little bit banged up this year, although they've done a really good job of of filling those gaps and plugging and playing guys, and the young guys have really stepped up. I know Aaron's talked a lot about that, but going up against a guy like Cam Jordan and, and possibly Marcus Davenport, who they traded with the Packers to go up and get a couple of years ago, if he's healthy, uh, that's going to be a problem on the outside. They're really going to have to watch them as well. And, and it's not easy to run the football against, like we've talked about. It's not easy to run the football against the Saints' defensive line because – you're looking at a lot of guys that are very talented in Jordan and uh, Davenport and even Trey Hendrickson coming back and in the middle with Anya Mata and Malcolm Brown and Sheldon Rankins as well in the middle is just a huge body and is very athletic. And, um, and so the Packers are going to have to, Matt LaFleur is going to have to get creative here like Sean Payton kind of does with his offenses. And we've seen, we've seen Matt LaFleur get creative and maybe use some Tyler Irvin and, you know, do the swerve around the, uh, the edges and things like that. But, um, the Saints have a guy like Tyler Urban as well and Deontay Harris, who is, is very similar. So if they want to practice against somebody like that, what, what the Saints do, they do a lot of similar things that the Packers do. I've seen uh, with Tyler Urban as, as Devontae, uh, Deontay Harris, who was a pro bowler last year as a special teamer. And that's something the Packers have to make sure that they do as well, cover on special teams against Deontay Harris, because if you give him a step or two, and, and that could be a game-changing play in this in this matchup, one that you know maybe you don't account for. Greg, uh, appreciate you taking the time with us, especially sticking up after that game, uh, that Monday Night Football game. Um, is there anything that you'd like to plug, or you want to let people know where they can uh, they can find you out um, on the social medias everywhere? Sure, uh, my my Instagram and uh, and Twitter at g underscore espn fourteen twenty again at g underscore espn fourteen twenty. Um, as Janelle said, I'm, I'm on ESPN 1420 Central Time, 3 to 6 o'clock, Monday through Friday uh, in the afternoons. And um, for you Packer fans who are listening to this, 
I do sprinkle in some Packer talk uh, so here and there, and and I defend my man Andrews to uh, to, to the death. Um, you know, when these Drew Brees truthers come on here and they are trying to, they say that you know Drew Brees deserved to be on the All Century team or whatever All Decade team or whatever it was, um, and Aaron doesn't deserve to. I, I I'll defend him to uh, till the cows come home. I love Drew Brees, but. Hey, Rogers, my guy. So follow me, uh, Packer fans. I'd love to interact with you guys and uh, we'd love to have you on the show. And we need to get a little bit more Packer Nation. I know Janelle says she listens every once in a while, but I would like to get more Packer Nation calls and, and, and people uh, dialing into the show. So if you want to download the app, uh, do it uh, on, your, on your iPhone or your, your, your Android. It's at, uh, ESPN 1420. It's a free app. You can download it and listen to us. Wherever you are on the go, uh, wherever your day may take you, it's uh, it's very handy. And the, there's a one tap to call button on there, so you don't even have to memorize the, the phone number, which I think is phenomenal. Um, I mean, I it's ingrained in my memory, but uh, I appreciate you guys having me on and um, talking to little Saints, talking to little Packers. I don't get a chance to, to do this unless I'm just talking about it by myself because I want to. <laughs> I was going to say, the chance when you – get to talk for your three hour radio show to everybody and you get to decide what you want to say. You don't get a chance. <laughs> exactly. Look, I, I can, I control the narrative, but I understand I have to play to my audience. I know everybody right. loves football and that's why I talk mostly saints, LSU, raging Cajuns and the Cajuns shout out to them. They are ranked in the top 25 right now. That's exciting with a radio home of the Cajuns. So uh, very exciting times down here in Cajun country. And, um, it's going to be a great matchup on Sunday night, night man. I, it's prime time. I, I, you know, as much as it, it would be easier to not face Michael Thomas, I really hope him and Devontae and Corey Lindsley, who we haven't even talked about, uh, who's got that, that thumb sprain or whatever's going on with his thumb, uh, I hope everybody's there and I hope everybody uh, plays because I think it would be a really good matchup. And we really haven't seen Breeze versus Rogers in a very what was this is it has it been since 2011 because the last time they played a couple of years ago was right before Aaron Rodgers got hurt and, and we saw what was his name uh, uh Brett Hundley. gosh awful yeah <laughs> it'll be a good one excited to go to apparently I just am not allowed to go watch Breeze versus Rodgers because it's either an injury or a pandemic or whatever I'll just never get to see it it's fine <laughs> Can I, can I tell you guys a crazy stat before I leave? Of course. Okay, so I had gone and seen Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship game against the Bears. I saw him go play in Buffalo in 2014 against the Bills. And then I had seen Matt Flynn that one time while I was in Green Bay, only time I've ever been to Lambeau to see a game. And at one point in my life, I had seen Matt Flynn throw more touchdowns personally in a game than Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I was at that game, too. It was incredible. Yes. Yeah, they won by one point. Oh, wait, wait, wait which game are you talking about? The, the, uh, about the, the Lions NFL. game, right? Week 17? Matt Flynn, six touchdowns? Oh, no, no, no. I was at the um, – it was it was Packers-Falcons, uh, and they won 21 – or 22 oh, yeah. Okay. Like that. It was like five degrees. It was a light snow. It was beautiful. It was like – it was like I couldn't have asked for it to be any better. <laughs> Well, Greg, uh, thank you again for taking the time. Um, Matt, Janelle, uh, do you want to let people know where they can uh, find you? Absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at uh, Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. And check me out also on our Packers worldwide content over there. Uh, Janelle, where can everyone find you? 
Hey, you guys can find me on Twitter at Big Mac underscore four. Mac is M-A-C-K. Uh, bear with me through all the hockey and stick with me through the football. I can tell what you guys prefer, but I'm not going to stop tweeting about hockey. So get over it. <laughs> that was a great game tonight, wasn't it? Uh, for, no. a, for, a, for a general hockey fan, I feel like. Yeah, it was a good game if you aren't invested in either team or if you're a Lightning fan. Basically, right. if you're not cheering for the Stars, it was a good game. <laughs> Exactly. Um, I'm on uh, Twitter as well at DK all the way. Um, and then you can also check uh, my YouTube show for Game on Wisconsin, Lombardi's Bar, um, 7.30 Eastern, uh, 6.30 Central. So uh, that's where we're all at. Uh, make sure you're following the podcast as well at Packaday Podcast on Twitter. Subscribe, rate, review, let your friends know. Tell all your Packer fans. If you're the one Packer fan in some random part of the country, make sure that we're you... Here. Yeah, <laughs> convert. Start converting them. Let them. Let them know. Get them on the Packer podcast here, Fine. and we're uh, getting them in. But um, guys, Greg, especially, thank you again. And uh, until next time, everybody, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. No, I can't say it. You're on the Packer podcast. You can. It's fine. The Saints Nation is not going to be happy with you. <laughs> They'll never know. What if they you will know? Right? They what if might. you say what if you say go pack go but we spell it like G E A U? Are we gonna like okay. I think that would be a fair compromise. <laughs> go pack go.